Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Patented. It's my podcast about the history of inventions with me, your host, Dallas Campbell. It's lovely to have you here. Now then, Christmas crackers. You had some good Christmas cracker gifts over the years. Sometimes you get good Christmas cracker gifts. Sometimes you get like a small screwdriver set or a miniature tape measure or something that's useful. Generally, the jokes are pretty poor. Although it's always confused me. If you buy expensive crackers, I think, maybe I'm wrong, you tend to get better quality jokes. And I don't know why that is the case. Why would you get a better joke just because the cracker is more expensive? I don't know. Here's a Christmas cracker joke. What do you get if you eat Christmas decorations. Tinselitis, exactly. There was one Christmas cracker joke, which is really weird that I got a few years ago and I kept it. The joke was, what kind of cough medicine does Dracula take? And the answer printed out is con medicine, C-O-N medicine. And that made no sense. And I Googled it and it turns out lots of people had that same joke and no one could work out why the punchline was as it was. Like, what does con medicine mean? Didn't make any sense. Anyway, it turns out it was a a misprint, a printing error, because the joke was meant to be coffin medicine with a double F. And the printing machine couldn't do the double F in that particular typeface. And so it sort of missed it out. So it was a computer says no error. (laughs) I was going to say it's really interesting. Not that interesting. It's relatively interesting. To get you in the Christmas festive spirit and to give you something to talk about over Christmas Day as you pull your cracker, we're going to fill you with Christmas cracker facts. My guest today is a man called Peter Kimpton. He is from Norwich and he holds the honour of apparently being the world's only Christmas cracker historian. For a long time, Peter worked in a Christmas cracker factory in (laughs) Norwich. Sorry, I just have images of Peter reading bad cracker jokes all day and all night. Now he runs a website, which is terrific. It's called The King of Crackers. Uh It's not about that king and it's not about himself, although it could be. It's all about a man called Tom Smith, who is the inventor of Christmas crackers. Who knew? So, come with us on a Christmas tale of invention, ladies and gentlemen, back to the foggy, gaslit streets of Dickensian London, where urchins, cavort, and criminals wait for you in the shadows. For it was in these hard times that Tom Smith invented the Christmas cracker, and soon his brightly coloured boxes were making their way down the dingy streets, spreading sparkle, laughter, love poems, poor quality jokes, low-quality toys, and Christmas cheer. And so without any further ado, here is my chat with the very wonderful Peter Kimpton.
Uh, Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you. Lovely to have you with us. You know what I love about doing this show is I get to meet people who have really niche interests. That's me. And it doesn't get more niche. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at your website and it says the world's only cracker historian. Is that? Uh, As far as I know, that is the case. I mean, I've written a couple of books on the subject and I don't know of any other books. We're going to get hundreds of emails saying, no, I'm a cracker historian. I think you're safe. I think you're safe. I think... um... (laughs) I think so. I think so. Okay, so the name Tom Smith, tell us who Tom Smith was, and and because he's quite important in the story of the Christmas Cracker, I believe. Tom Smith was the son of a greengrocer in London, and at the age of about 11, he was apprenticed to a baker and confectioner in London, and he learnt that trade. And then when he was sort of in his teens, he decided that he would like to branch out on his own in the early 1840s. And he decided to set up a business which was to do with confectionery. And he went on a a trip to Paris, you know, to a trade fair. And he saw that some of the French bonbonniers were producing something that looked like a cracker, but containing sugared almonds. And he liked that. And he pinched the idea. And he came back to England and he started to produce what he called crackers. Where did the name come from? Because presumably the French weren't doing it with a little explosive device no. in it. No. The name Crackers wasn't a Crackers name at all at the beginning. They were called Cossacks. And some bright Victorian person had decided that when the Crackers went bang, which was a later addition to the Crackers, they sounded a bit like the Cossacks riding their horses through Paris during the Franco-Prussian War. And when they cracked right. their whips, <laughs> right. somebody somewhere must have said, oh, that sounds a bit like a cracker going off. That's marvellous. So it's for the crack of a whip. I like that. I like that. So it's a bit like all these stories from that period of time. It's very difficult to verify the facts because there's nobody left who can tell you yay or nay. No, but, but luckily, as the world's only cracker historian, whatever you say goes. You get the you get the final as the arbiter of the truth. I think no one's going to question you. So we're going to go with that. Well, there is a sort of an addition to that side of things because there he was selling his early days crackers with confectionery and stuff like that. But there's a story which says one day he was sitting in front of his fire at home and one of the logs on the fire cracked. And he supposedly thought, oh, that would be a good idea if I could include a crack in my crackers. And the story goes that he experimented to try and develop what they call the snap, the bitch which explodes. Mm-hmm. And there was a chap who owned Brock's Fireworks who wrote a book. And in the book, he describes how a chemist who worked for him, a chap called Tom Brown, developed the snap Mm-hmm. and sold the idea to Tom Smith. He then started to offer them to the public as bangs of expectation. <laughs> how interesting. So can you just explain how it works, the, 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 the cracker mechanism inside? Right, OK. Well, as you probably remember when you've had crackers, yeah. there's like a long strip of paper, that what they call the snap And that long strip of paper is actually two strips which are bound together in the middle. Mm -hmm. And within that middle, there's a chemical which originally was silver fulminate. And when the snap was pulled, it created friction, which ignited the silver fulminate and caused the snap, the bang. (laughs) Nice. 
It's such an odd. It's such an odd thing. I'm just trying to get a, a sense of this guy, Tom Smith. He's obviously quite a. He obviously has a sense of humour. It's quite because it's quite an imaginative leap. Like I can imagine him going to the French fair and seeing these kind of bonbons, these sweet things, and and taking that to England. But the idea of okay, well, he hears the log crack in his fire, and he comes up with that idea. It's quite. He must have been thinking about it. He's like, he must have been thinking, how can I make these more exciting? How can I make these better? Um, Peter, I'd really like to see one. Do you, as a cracker historian, do you have an early cracker we could have a look at? The earliest one I have is 1917. Can you see that? I can. Peter is holding up a box to the camera, and on the front of the box, there is a picture of what looks like a, a kind of young girl, an illustration, and it's Tom Smith's. What does it say? Tr- tr- Tom Smith's Tricolor Crackers. Tricolor. She's French, and I think she's supposed to represent the French national heroine, Marianne. Marie Antoinette. No. <laughs> not, not Marie Antoinette. No. And you can see she's dressed in French national colours. Got it. She's got the tricolour dress on, the red, white and blue tricolour dress. So there we go, the Christmas cracker. You know, we always think of them as an English thing, and they are, well, a British thing. They are a British thing, but the inspiration from France originally. OK, so Peter is opening the box. And amazingly... Oh, my goodness, look at that. They are, they're a bit smaller than the modern ones. Honestly, they haven't changed at all. I mean, they're holding them up, and lo and behold, there are two crackers. They've got a kind of the fringed edge, but imagine a Christmas cracker in bright coloured paper. That's exactly what it is. And they've got the, the illustration of the girl in the tricolour dress as well. Gosh, they haven't changed at all. They are There we, there we go. They're from 1917. Do, do we have an idea what would be inside those ones? Yes. I'll have to get my 1917 catalogue, so... Is there a low-quality trinket inside, is what, basically what I want to know. Ah, look at that. The Cracker Catalogue, the Tom Smith Cracker Catalogue, has a picture of Santa Claus on the front. Yeah, and it says, Tom Smith's Tricolor Crackers, designed in the colours of our brave ally France and containing pretty hats, caps and bonnets, made in red, white and blue together with English and French love mottos, per dozen boxes, 13 shillings and sixpence. That's interesting. So the, so the hat, the idea of the coloured hat was, uh, was, was there from the, from the beginning. I mean, was there a... Just take us through that idea of going from the crackers containing bonbons or sweets, suddenly containing other things. Like, wh- where did the idea of, like, hats come from, do you think? Obviously, Tom Smith and his family were looking at ways to enhance the original French idea. Yeah. So they would include all sorts of little knickknacks from around the world, little toys, all sorts Mm. of little things like that. And the actual paper hats that we see today, the thin tissue paper hats, they were mainly introduced by Tom's son, Walter. How did the crackers... how How did they become such a staple of the Christmas... Lunch, I mean, I mean, was it just were, were they just wildly popular? That just the idea just spread instantly, or did it take a, a sort of long time for the idea of the the cracker to to catch on? Well, when Tom Smith first started producing them, you have to remember it was the middle part of the Victorian period, and you have a world where no computers, no radios. No telephones, no nothing, nothing technical. I'd have been very happy there. (laughs) Me too, me too. (laughs) (laughs) So basically you would have a family gathering 
in the lounge or the study or wherever, and they would all gather round. And when Smiths were putting what they call love mottos into the crackers, then they were something which could be read out to the assembled family. So they became very popular. When did the, when did the love motto turn into very low-quality jokes? I have some here. <laughs> do you have some low quality? Give us a low quality cracker joke, Peter. Right. Do you want the Do you want the original, more sort of romanticy, mushy ones, or do you want? Yeah. Give us Give us a, an example of the love motto, and then give us an example of the joke. What the, uh, of how the love motto morphed into a into a into a pun? Okay. Right. We'll start in eighteen seventy five. Oh, flowers, sweet flowers, the fairest gems that earth upon her bounteous bosom loves to cherish, bright yet pure as childhood's thoughtless mirth, although like morning dreams they quickly perish. That's ni- I like it. It's nice. Yes. 1884, love in a cottage crackers. In a fairy spot, my little cot is ready love for thee. So bless my lot, forget me not, and thou shalt happy be. I think the, I would. <laughs> these are nice. Give it. Is, do you have an example of the of a of the first kind of joke, the first kind of knock knock, or you know, the, uh, as we might think of a cracker joke? I haven't got the dates of them, but these would be sort of early twentieth century. Okay. What did the waste paper basket say to the bin? Um... Oh, stop talking rubbish. <laughs> Honestly, they haven't changed. That is as good as any cracker joke. It's part of the fun of the cracker, the fact that the jokes are so bad and and, uh, are ridiculous. Why did the woodman spare the trees? Uh, Something about getting the chop. Because he was a good fella. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What is the oldest fruit of all? Uh, I don't know. Give up. Elderberries. This is it's perfect. I'm Professor Susanna Lipscomb, and on my podcast, Not Just the Tudors from History Hit, we talk about everything from what Queen Consort Camilla could learn from the Renaissance. Really, when we begin to look at Queen Consorts, we notice that there's a lot of ways that women could have authority through their relationship with the king to how you should never upstage Henry VIII. You'd have been a very unwise individual turning up to court, probably with a larger codpiece than the king, I suspect. From the real Matawaka, better known as Pocahontas. She's brought and presented to the king and queen as this shining example of what we could achieve. To how to tell someone to get lost. You could say, turd in your teeth. In other words, not just the Tudors, but most definitely also the Tudors. Twice a week, every week. Subscribe now to Not Just the Tudors from History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One thing I've noticed about cracker jokes, and you could maybe, Peter, you could answer this for me. I've noticed the cheaper the crackers, the jokes are a lot worse than if you decide to splash out and get fancy crackers. Now, why should there be a price difference depending on the quality of the joke? I can't answer that because, I mean, I basically don't go out and buy crackers anymore because... Don't you? No, because if you go into, like I did last Friday, into Tesco's, yeah, and you look at what they have on offer, the two things which strike me is the fact that the boxes are nowhere near as interesting and graphically excellent as Tom Smith's earlier boxes were. All you get now is a cardboard box with an acetate window. And in terms of quantity, last Friday they had about 12 different boxes on offer. In Tom Smith's earlier days, his annual offering, his range of crackers, could be 100, 150, 200 different designs. Gosh, wow. So basically, they've lost, they've, we've lost something in, in, in the modern era, you think? Well, the modern boxes don't have a lovely graphic, graphically no. designed label on them at all. Mm-hmm. They're just very basic clinical things, which I hate. Whereas the Victorian boxes had superb graphics on them. And Tom Smith employed a whole load of artists, mainly based in London, who would come up with these wonderful pieces of graphic work. What about the novelty? You know, when you, 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 the, you, the very specific things you get in a cracker, you get a hat, you get a joke, but you also get some kind of toy. That Presumably that's changed as well over the years. Well, not that much, really, because Tom Smith would put, in quotes, Victorian toys in his crackers. Little knickknacks, little models of things, little bits of glassware, all that sort of stuff. What's the, um, what's the strangest cracker you've ever come across in your in your research well one which comes to mind is once again featured in the 1917 catalog here we are right during the first world war the poor old soldiers in the trenches used to hear the german howitzers firing the shells over and the tommies could hear a difference in the sound of a particular type of shell that came over hush here comes a whiz bang yes you basically got the gist there. What Tom Smith did in 1917, they produced some what they called monster crackers. <laughs> right? And they referred to them as patriotic and war monster crackers. 
<laughs> and two that I've got illustrated here. One, the troops called one a Black Mariah, and then another one they called a Jack Johnson. And it says, as far as the Black Mariah is concerned, it says, a nickname given to our Tommies at the front to the shells from the German howitzers. The cracker is designed in red, white, black and gold and contains naval and military headdresses, iron cross, Kaiser's moustache, etc., together with an up-to-date war shooting picture and war puzzle picture. Crikey. And that, that was 15 and a half inches long and it was sold at nine shillings per dozen. Blimey. It's kind of the thing I can imagine coming back from the front, sitting around Christmas dinner. It's probably the last thing you want as a Christmas tracker <laughs> to remind you of where you've just yes. come from. Do any of these still exist? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm presumably there are people who collect old crackers. Well, people like yourself. Not that you are crackers, but who collect crackers. But um, I wonder You if, won't find... No? I mean, I've been interested in crackers since 1986. Mm-hmm. And I have never seen one of these wartime giant crackers ever. Interesting. Somewhere, somewhere in Britain, there will be one of those crackers, I bet, in someone's loft. Do you have, I mean, that's the strangest cracker and it's very, it's a really interesting story. Do you have a personal favourite? Do you have one that is, for you, is the, the piece de resistance of the, of the world of the cracker? Well, not really. My interest in this old stuff is mainly the range of Tom Smith's cracker boxes and the wonderful graphics that he featured on the lids. Do you have an example of some of the artwork that you particularly like, Peter? Well, these, I don't know if you can see these. Oh, yes, I can. So big pictures of Union Jacks, children in the snow. Well, sort of kind of beautifully drawn, like beautifully illustrated this um, is, this is what, pictures. Yeah, this is what interests me. It's the graphics. There are so many that Tom Smith used, and they're all done by individual artists. And it's it's really just a pleasure to look at the, the skills of their compositions. That one, it's got a sort of a military flavour about it. And it says on it, it's a picture of somebody called Khaki Jim. But it's it's almost like a puppet. And the puppet is holding an exploding cracker, but is also wearing a khaki military uniform. Really fascinating. I've got to, I've got to ask you, Peter, just, just finally, when you, have, when you have your Christmas lunch and you have crackers, are you a terrible cracker bore? Do you, do you, do you harumph at the quality of crackers or do you join in uh, gladly? <laughs> well, we don't particularly use crackers ourselves, the modern ones. For me, they haven't particularly got any interest I'm interested in the historical side of things. And so this modern stuff, which for some peculiar reason they buy from China, you know, they don't appeal to me at all. No. There's some interesting things as well. Why, why is it we cross our hands when we pull crackers? These sort of strange traditions of cracker pulling. Is that just the, the origins lost in time somewhere? It sounds pretty Victorian to me. I mean, as a family, when my children were younger, we never crossed our hands when we were pulling a cracker. We were very, we were, my family were very strict. Like you were not allowed to pull a cracker until after lunch had been finished. Crackers were very much an after. This whole kind of pull a cracker any time during the meal was absolutely verboten uh, as as a child. Yeah, I think it's down to each and every family, but, you know, you pulling a cracker when you're having your meal, you stand a chance of finding a trinket with gravy all over it or something like that. <laughs> this is true. Uh, 
Peter, it's been an absolute joy hearing your story and seeing your crackers and, and your wonderful catalogue and getting an idea of where the Christmas cracker came from. When I pull a cracker this Christmas, I shall think of you and I shall think of Tom Smith <laughs> and I shall read a joke on 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 your behalf. Uh, thank you very much and ha- have a lovely have a lovely day and have a lovely festive. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Period. Hope I was some use to you. And, you are um, absolutely, you are, you are terrific. You are terrific. Good. Okay. Well, you're welcome then. Thanks for listening. We'll be back after Christmas with a special episode from some guy called Dan Snow. Anyway, apparently he's got a podcast on History Hit. And then normal patented service will be resumed in the new year. Kicking things off, we've got an episode about the invention of the open plan office, which uh, is one of those things that will probably drive you crazy. Drives me crazy, actually, the time I spent in in an open plan office. Anyway, have a happy Christmas. I hope you have a, a nice break, a little bit of time off. I hope if you get to pull a cracker, it's a good cracker with something good inside, like a little miniature screwdriver set. And I hope it's fun and I hope you get good jokes and you can share some of the cracker facts with your family and friends. If you'd like to give us a special present, make it a nice review. While I still have you, very briefly, if you fancy getting all of the History Hit podcast archive and new episodes ad-free, along with hundreds of history documentaries to watch, download our app across Apple App Store, Google Play, and smart TV platforms. Follow the link in the show notes or go to historyhit.com slash subscribe. There is thousands of hours of history on there, including a documentary on science in the Middle Ages with Seb Falk, and also one with me talking about the secret history of the space race. As a patented listener, you get a special gift if you use the code patented at the checkout. You get 50% off your first three months. That's patented for 50% off your first three months. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free podcast episodes within the Apple app.